Hey friends, Jason here, the host of the Speak With People podcast. Before we hop into this episode, the Lead With People, Not At Them series, I want to ask you a question. Are you ready to speak like a leader? So many of us aren't ready to answer that because we don't think we have the confidence. We're too fearful or we just aren't given the opportunities to speak in public. And maybe if we do, we don't understand how to put our thoughts together in a clear way and then all the nerves attack us, the beads of sweat and the ums and our stomach turns over. It's time to end all of that. Speak With People is introducing a brand new course called Speak Like a Leader. This is for the everyday leader to speak with confidence, clarity, and in a captivating way. You are going to be absolutely ready when your boss says, hey, can you give an update on the project you've been working on in front of the team? You're going to stand up with confidence. You're going to be clear, and you're going to captivate that room. You're going to close more sales. You're going to be able to communicate more clearly. You're going to be able to deepen your relationships because you're going to speak like a leader. Now, it opens up November 27th, but then it closes December 17th. So you only have a few weeks to get in on this offer and get your own course to speak like a leader. This includes nine different modules, all of the training videos that you can watch on your own, all of the different worksheets, and then additional worksheets. It also includes two private coaching sessions with me. Go to speakwithpeople.com slash speaklikealeader and get your course today. And now for this episode of the Lead With People, Not At Them series. Welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz. I'm so glad that you are joining us today. We believe that healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one, to a team, from a stage, or from a screen, like I am right now, we hope that our time today encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to choose to communicate in healthy ways because we know that you really will change your world with your words when they are healthy. Well, if you haven't found out about our Speak With People coaching yet, make sure you head to speakwithpeople.com slash coaching. We have coaches who will walk alongside of you one-on-one and make sure you are developing and growing into the leader and the communicator that you long to be. Well, today we are talking about change. Change. Oh my goodness. There are so many things that we could talk about this. Uh, but we're dealing with something that every leader has to deal with at some point in their leadership. Everyone has to walk through it personally and organizationally in their leadership, and that is change. And if you recall, we're in a series called Lead With People, Not At Them, and I just can't wait for this conversation because the reality is, is change is so hard for so many people, so many leaders, so many organizations. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Erica Anderson. She's a renowned expert in change leadership, and she's going to unveil kind of her unique approach to navigating change, how we can as leaders uh, change. She's going to offer a perspective, and we're going to have a great conversation on how leaders and organizations, even if we struggle with change, how we can come alongside of it and use it for our better. She's written numerous books. Her latest book, Change from the Inside Out, is just absolutely fantastic. I read this recently on a trip that I was on, and it's just been a, a tremendously helpful book in my own leadership. So, Erica, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and I'm so delighted that you're here. Thank you, and thanks so much for that introduction. That was great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I have. I've appreciated your your books, and uh, it's just been great. I've been looking forward to this uh, interview for a while. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Before we jump in to... Uh, uh, you know, our conversation. Wondered if you could just give our listeners maybe a little bit more of your story, who you are, what you do, all of those kind of things. Sure. I, um, I am the founder of a company called Proteus International. And what we do is help 
leaders get ready and stay ready to lead into the future. So I think it's very lined up with what you do in your life. And um, I'm now pulled back a little bit. My two, soon to be three partners are running the company and I'm just, I get to be the gray eminence now. And so what I, how I think of myself at this point is author and cracker of codes. My, one of the things I've always done in my book and my thinking is like, okay, so here's this difficult thing for leaders, for managers, for workers, for professionals. Here's this thing that everybody seems to have a hard time with. How can I make it easier? Mm. Which is what led me to write this book about change. We've, we've had, we at Proteus have had a change practice for almost 15 years and a, a really good practical process to help people integrate the human and mechanical sides of change and, and mm. lead through change. But I noticed, as I was starting to think about this three or four years ago, that it's still really hard. And mm. so one of the codes I track when I wrote this book is why is change so hard for us? And what can we do about that? How can we become more change capable as leaders? Because as you said, change is happening. You, you have to lead through, if you're a leader, you have to lead through change now every day on some level. So, so that's how we got here. <laughs> wow. Wow. Absolutely. Well, just curious before we kind of hop into the questions, when you started your company, were you by yourself or did you have your partners? Did you guys start it all together? That's a great question. I started with a, another partner, a kind of mentor, a guy who was about 10 years older than I, who really helped me start. This was in 1990. Um, I was, pretty young. He was a little older. He had, he, he was just incredibly helpful. Marty Selman, I'll give him a shout out right here. <laughs> he, he helped me in those first three or four years. And then he said, you got this and I don't really want to run a company. So I bought him out and then ran it myself for a few years, then uh, connected with my partner, Jeff. We've been partners for 23 years since 2000. And, uh, and then my uh, partner Laird, he joined us about eight years ago. So so gathering people along the way. Yeah, no, that's uh, so incredible. I ask just because we're in the infancy stages. And so it's always great to be able to learn uh, from people who have done it successfully. And, and I'm finding that starting something from scratch, it's just, uh, I'm only in a year and a half, but it's, you know, rolling wow. a, a boulder up a hill. <laughs> it's, it's big. And, and I'll, I'll say this to you and to all your listeners, finding the right business partner or partners is so key. It's like finding the right life partner. And one of the things, and I always say this, especially with my partner, Jeff, but also with Laird is it's really critical to find partners with whom your values are consonant, different. You can have different experiences, different expertise, different ways of thinking. Jeff and I certainly have different ways of thinking, but our core values, how we see the world, how we mm. see people, how we see the purpose of our business have always yep. been very consonant. And if you don't have that, man, it makes that boulder a lot bigger and that hill a lot steeper. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible insight. I absolutely love that. Love that. So when it comes to change, why? I mean, let's just kind of start on the ground floor. Why do you believe, you know, so many leaders, especially organizations, maybe even the, the larger they get, they just struggle. I mean, so profoundly yeah. when it comes to embracing change, you know, what are, why, why is that? What is, what kind of prevents that? Well, as I said, that was the, the code I was trying to crack the question yep. I was trying to answer when I first read this book. And so I did a lot of research and a lot of thinking and 
I'll, I'll, this will make sense to you, I think, because it's not, it's so like, oh yeah, why didn't, why didn't we think of that? Um, okay, so imagine a, a human being, any human being, 100, 200, 500, 1,000 years ago, anywhere on the planet, that person's life would have been almost unimaginably stable to us. Mm. Most people, so take somebody 300 years ago in England, I'm just making this up, they almost certainly would have grown up in the same village that their parents and grandparents and great grandparents grew up in, in the same religion, eating the same food, probably doing the same work, just this, and that was their whole life. And even the changes were pretty predictable. Somebody has a baby, somebody dies, there's a bad crop year, but just, and not a whole lot of news, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. a lot of scientific advancement. I mean, that, that life was so stable, so predictable. And when a change did happen, a big change, it was almost inevitably bad. Mm. It was a flood or a famine or a war, right? Or a plague. Right. And so when that very occasional terrible big change came, the best bet, almost without exception, was to get back to the previous state of affairs as quickly as possible. There's a famine, let's get some food. There's a flood, let's dry everything off, you know? Yep. And so that's our wiring for thousands and thousands of years. When a change happened, it was bad and you want to get away from it and back to what was happening before as quickly as you possibly can. So that is deep psychological and even physiological wiring, right? Mm. So now here we are in this very different time when more change happens in a day in our lives right. than probably happened in a whole lifetime 500 wow. years ago. And we have that old wiring, right? So it's really tough. We have to rewire ourselves to make ourselves a change capable, mm. more fluent and accepting of change. So then when I figured that out, I thought, okay, well, so then let's get clear about what actually happens when a person does go through a change mm -hmm. when we because we've all successfully gone through lots of changes in our lives so what what happens when that happens and we we created we didn't create we discovered this thing called the, that we come to call the change arc mm. and it's you've seen it because you've read the book like how do you when you go through a change successfully what actually happens and what we realized, so think of it as an arc, you know, you go up the hill and then you get, it gets harder as you go up the hill. And then it's, so the first thing that happens when a change is imposed upon us, because those are the hardest kind of changes when they're right. not our idea, right? <laughs> change is imposed. And the first thing that happens, we call this proposed change is, and this is so predictable, almost without exception, we have three questions. There are three things we want to know about the change. Huh. We want to know what does this mean for me mm. right what impact is this going to have on me that's the first thing we're duh, right second thing is why is this happening because we have a pretty strong preference for the status quo in situations like this it's like give me a good reason or i'm not even going to talk to you about this so why is this happening mm. and then the third question we ask is what will it look like when it's done what is what are things going to look like post change it was really interesting, Jason, when I was, when I was writing the book, I, I discovered that a lot of psychologists now think that our deepest fear is fear of the unknown. Wow. 
So uh, think about this. A big change comes at us. Nobody's telling us. They're just saying, okay, you got to change. You got to do this differently. This is all going to change. But nobody's saying, here's what it's going to look like when you make right. that change. That's terrifying. That's like walking into a dark alley in the middle of the night, right? Right. So we have these three questions. What does this mean for me? Why is this happening? What will it look like when it's done? And then, and this is where I got to the heart of it, because we have this historic age-old wiring of the, oh, change is hard, bad, our assumption about change, even as we're asking these questions, our assumption about change, any change mm. that comes out, is that it's going to be difficult and costly and weird. Oh, right. Right? Right, right. And difficult means, and so that's just our mindset about it. Even as we're asking these questions, we already have this negative mindset. Difficult means, I don't know how to do this. It's going to require things I don't know or don't have. Other people are going to make it hard for me, right? Difficult means all those things. Costly, and this is really interesting. Costly means it's going to take from me things I value, Ooh. right? Right, and not exactly. And money, but deep stuff like identity and relationships and expertise and reputation, all that stuff that I value, it's going to take away. I'm not going to have those things anymore when I make this change. And then weird just means weird. Oh, that's not, ooh, that's yep. how you do stuff around here. That feels so strange, right? Yep. So we feel, we in our minds, think of us poor things. The change comes to us, we think this is going to be difficult and costly and weird. And so we ask, what does this mean for me? Assuming it means it's going to be difficult, costly and weird. Why is this happening? Because you don't care about me and you're going to take things away from me, right? So we're making all these negative assumptions. Right. Now, this is the shift point. We noticed, I noticed in myself and other people and lots of people we asked and observed that when people become willing to make the change, it's usually not because something external changed, it's because their mindset changes. And the person at the effect of this change starts to believe that the change could be easy as a, or at least doable as opposed to difficult. It could be more rewarding than costly. And it could be or could become normal. Mm. And when that mindset shift starts to happen where somebody inside their own mind, it's not, it's rarely external, inside their own mind, they start thinking, well, I guess I could learn how to do this. And oh, wow, if it really would make the client happier, that's more rewarding than costly. And Joe, who I really care about, and Alice, who's my boss, and I respect, they seem to think it's okay. I guess it could become normal. Right. When the mindset shifts, only at that point is the person going to be willing and able to do the new behaviors and operate in the new ways and think in the new ways that the change requires, and then the change can occur. And when a critical mass of the people who are affected by the change make that mindset shift, yep. then, and only then will the change happen. And yep. so the that you asked originally, why is change so hard and why is it so often unsuccessful? There's this pretty famous statistic that 70% of organizational transformation efforts fail. Wow. My guess is it's because people don't get on board. People don't aren't helped to make that mindset shift. And so then what we now, when we talk to leaders about change, we say, okay, so this is a great example of putting on your own mask before attempting to help others. 
you yourself as a leader have to learn to make that mindset shift yes. so that you can get on the right side of a change before you turn to your people, explain the change to them and help them go through that change arc, right? Wow. 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 I mean, so many things to unpack. <laughs> so many things. And I just keep thinking about, you know, in my younger years of leadership, if I would have had this understanding how that could have helped me when different things were approached. Like it, it seems like when, you know, that change is introduced and there's that much workup in one person, it's just amplified across. If everybody in the company starts talking and they kind of gather together and what's going to happen and what's going to happen and everything's going to be terrible. Yeah. And they all freak each other out. Yes. And, and then if I'm, I'm totally with you, I, I, I've made so many mistakes about change in my career. And if I <laughs> this earlier, it would have been so helpful. And one of the things that's been hard for me is because I'm pretty changed. I like change and I go through it fairly quickly. And I, without bringing this to my conscious awareness, I early on, I think I taught myself during a change to start going, okay, how could I make this easier for myself? How could this be more rewarding to start, you know, asking those questions. And then I would turn to the people I'd lead and I'd be like, isn't this great? This is going to be cool. And they're like, no, not at all. We're back at the beginning part of this change arc. And right. then I get, I get irritated. Like, why are you so resistant? And why are you so this and that? But they're just going through that change arc. That's a, such a human thing. And now I'm much better, I think, at helping people, supporting people through that shift rather than just demanding that they mm. magically it's cool from the beginning, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking with a leader the other day about cascading information and how yeah. essential it is as a company, especially if you're in the, the leadership or you have that role where you're, you're communicating what's going to happen in the future. You know, yeah. even taking just a second to think through some simple questions of who will this affect? And, you know, yes. I mean, I mean yes. just, just being able to take that step really honors people. And, you know, if you roll out the communication in a way that, you know, honors them, it may help, you know, with, with the, that initial, you know, blow of all the change that's coming down the. Yeah. I, I love that, Jason. It honors them and, and it will help. In fact, I, so that leads right into another thing that I think your listeners will find helpful. So, so if the, if the premise is, this is how people go through change, this change arc, they, they start out asking these three questions and having this kind of on this sort of negative mindset and you need to help them shift their mindset so they can see the possibilities yep. in it, right? So my partner, Jeff, uh, created, again, invented, discovered about 10 years ago, what we've come to call these four change levers, mm. levers in the force multipliers. You know, what can you do to help people through that change arc, to help people get on the the hopeful side of that mindset right. shift, right? And I'll, I'll share them with you because I think they respond to right what you were what you were saying about honoring people. So the first one, the first of these four levers is increase understanding, which mm. is exactly what you're saying. A lot of times uh, in organizational change, people just are not given very much context. You know, right. they're not told why this is happening. They're not told the, they're not given the answers to those questions about what will this mean for you? Why is it happening? What will it look like? They're just, they're kind of kept in the dark. Right. So to the, 
And, and sometimes during change, there are some things you can't share, mm -hmm. but to the extent that you can share context, rationale, insight, provide people with the understanding of why it is, it very much honors them mm. to provide them that understanding. And it also just starts to reduce their anxiety and help them begin to make that mindset shift. So that's the first one. The second one, and this one I find so interesting is clarify and reinforce priorities. Wow. Yeah. Because a lot of times what happens in change is, you know, you were talking about how people start talking to each other and they kind of freak each other out. People, because most of us find change difficult, when we hear there's a big change, we we go to the negative and we assume it means everything is going to change. Right. Nothing is the same. Every, my whole world is going to fall apart. Yep. So if you can be clearer with people about what isn't changing, especially, that's incredibly helpful. So like, for instance, let's say that... Um, uh, uh, the sales organization of a big company is uh, moving to a different CRM, right? Let's say they're getting off of Salesforce onto something else. And the salespeople are all like, oh my God, everything's different, you know? And so if you can say, no, you know what? A lot of things aren't different at all. You have the same um, targets, you have the same clients, you have the same geographies. We're just changing some of the ways in which we gather and utilize the data about them. We're going to use it. Mm. We're going to have a system for doing that. That's incredibly reassuring. And people yes. can then frame the change within their whole life more accurately. Yes. So that clarifying and reinforcing of priorities is really helpful. Okay. The next change lever, and I love this one, is give control. In organizational change, especially, people just feel like victims. They feel yes. like they're just at the active vast forces outside their control, right? Right. So whatever you can do to give people more control in the change, to give them a voice, you know, to ask for their input, to use it, to give them choices where choices are possible. You know, when should we do this? How should we say mm. this? Who do you want to tell first? Yep. What do you think are the most important things that your people will want to hear? The more choices, the more control you can give people in change, the less they feel like victims and the more likely they are to be able to buy in and make that mindset mm. shift. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the last one is give support. And the most important kind of support, I, I will say this a hundred times, at the beginning of a change and this is right up your alley, is really listen to people. Mm, yes. Don't try and convince them they're wrong. Don't reassure them. Don't talk them out of their concern. Just take it in. Just listen. So somebody comes to you and says, oh, my God, this we don't have time to do this change. We're so overwhelmed right now. And you just listen carefully and you say, you're worried that this is going to make it so that other things don't happen on time. Yes. Yes, right. they'll say. When somebody right. really is heard, their response is exactly or yes or oh my God, right? So once you've listened someone all the way through their concerns, at that point, they're ready for the other kinds of support you can give. Right. 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 You listen all the way down to, wow, so you're worried that this we're not going to have time to do this and it's going to be really difficult for people and they won't accept it. Yes. Okay. Can I walk you through some of the things we've done to try and address those concerns? 
Mm. Oh, yeah. But the order is so important. If you try to give people those tools, that clarity, the workflows, whatever, before you've listened all the way through, they'll just blow you off, right? I'm sure you, we've all experienced this, yes. right? Right. So giving support, the important thing is just listen, listen, listen deeply. When people are, when you've listened all the way down to the bottom of their concerns, then you can start saying, okay, we have some tools, we have some help, we have some, you know, some things help you through this that's so good i i think about you know our, kind of our our paradigm with speak with people is this kind of with or at mm. so when we communicate when we lead you know do we do it with people or do we do it at them and i yes. think i think about the at side and how my brain my whole my whole leadership exploded in 2006 when i was working on an mba and the professor handed us primal leadership from Daniel Goleman. Mm. And my emotional intelligence world, you know, was just expanded because I thought, wait a minute, we don't have to lead out of force and control. But yeah. this change stuff, it just seems like it's so yucky sometimes because we lead at people. We just say, this is the change, accept yes. it. I pay you, so do the job. And if, exactly. we, walk, if we walked through these levers, I mean, this would, this would be the, the productivity that would soar the morale the unity, I mean, it's just it's just un, un, unreal to think about. Why do you think yeah. so many leaders refuse to to do that, though? And I don't mean so many, but I, I know there's a good majority who still lead in that, you know, lead out of fear, lead out of control. This is to change. You will accept it, you know, kind of idea. Yeah. So th that's a complicated question with a complicated answer. But yes. one of the things that I know is true is that there is so there is relatively little good leadership development, at least in the United States, which is astonishing. I mean, wow. after, I mean, I've been doing it for 40 years and it still astonishes me. That's like, so most people, you know, this, most people who are asked to be leaders, it's like they show up to work one day and somebody says, here, you're managing three people. Good luck with that. You're smart. I know you got right. it. Right. Yeah. And right. because of our, our, society and movies and probably the bosses we've had, we, we still young leaders, especially, and especially who haven't been helped to think otherwise still assume that being a leader means I'm now the person that knows everything, mm. right? I'm being a leader means I have all the answers. I'm John Wayne. I'm going to insist that we all go to the top of that hill. Yep. <laughs> yep. And so, and that, that, you know, take the hill, take no prisoners, don't ask, tell style is particularly useless in change. I mean, it's not very helpful generally, but it's particularly right. useless in change because all it does is just reinforce that historical wiring of, yup, see, I was right. This is going to be difficult, costly yep. and weird. And that person, that leader is going to be part of the difficult, costly weirdness, you know? Yep. yep. <laughs> Oh, boy, that's so good. I mean, it's so good. I love in the book you talk about being, uh, becoming change capable, you know, yeah. becoming change capable. And, you know, I mean, you're right. You hit on, you know, I mean, so, so much insight here, you know, we just, we struggle with, you know, with it. And we, we go through the change arc and all that kind of stuff. Are there any, you know, especially our younger leaders that are listening, you know, uh, next, uh, we talk a lot about Gen Z, and millennials, yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating time in the workplace because you have four different generations 
all yes. communicating their way. You know, the boomers, the Gen X, and the millennials, and the Gen Z. Any actionable steps you give those younger, those younger leaders because you know they're growing up in a time and you know age where you know the boomers had to wait for information. You know, yeah. even my my uh, generation, Gen X, we we had to go to the library, and yet now our Gen Z, you know, it's automatic. Like they yep. they don't they don't have to wait. Uh, so you know, change. I'm wondering in your, I guess, two questions here. I'm wondering in your end. Do you see these younger generations dealing with change better because information, you know, they're, they're, they're wired a little bit quicker. Uh, and if so, any, you know, actionable steps that you could give those younger leaders, you know, to really become change capable. Oh, I love those questions. So you, you would think that millennials and Gen Z would be better at change because they've had to go through so much, but the, and in some ways they are they're, because they, they make different assumptions. Like I have, mm. I have three kids and their spouses, all of whom are millennials, and they all assume that everything's going to change all the time. <laughs> they all assume that. So that's a good assumption to have. That's helpful because people in my generation, the boomer generation, I think even Gen X, both my partners are Gen X, I think we tend to assume that change is an aberration. Mm. that like, okay, it's going to go back to normal at some point, which means things aren't going to change anymore. Not true. Sorry. We got to give yeah. that up. But yeah. at least the, the people in their twenties and thirties now know that everything's going to change all the time. The, the, the thing that gets in their way though, I noticed this, especially with millennials. I'm not, I'm not sure yet if it's true with Gen Z is they're very, very skeptical mm. of government, of organization, of authority. So it's good that they know that things change, but they tend to think, well, those people are just full of crap and don't really understand anything. Yep. And so who are they to tell me what to do? Yep. So one of the things that I found that uh, the Gen Z people, clients that I know kind of like this approach, the approach that we use that we've outlined, because it's very uh, practical and it's very lead with versus lead mm. at. It's we just as you pointed out in the last 10 minutes, we're not saying, okay, sit down, shut up, let your boss tell you what to do. Right. We're saying, hey, you can make yourself more change capable by becoming more mentally fluent about change. <clears throat> Another right. thing that I like about both millennials and Gen Z is they understand in a way that it has taken me many years to convince older people, <laughs> is that they understand that you can manage your mindset which is key to this. That's the, the mm. if I had to say what one key to becoming change capable, it's understanding that you have control over your own internal monologue, that you can shift your mindset. You can choose to yes. think differently about any given thing, in this case, change. Yes. And yes. So if I'm sitting with a group of 20 and 30 year olds and I say, okay, so the key to being good at change is to learn to think differently about it. They don't go, what? They go, oh, okay. Think differently about it. Tell me how to do that. Yeah. And so they can teach them how to manage their mindset, right? Boy, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, we did an episode uh, a couple of months ago on self-talk and it's just amazing. Yes. You know, I don't, I don't remember which leader said it, but most of the big name leaders have said it, but the, the hardest person to lead is yourself. And if you can get, 100%. you know, if you can get some of that correct, you know, walking through change or walking through these different 
you know, adversities in your leadership are, <laughs> are so much smoother. So let's just dive right into that. I've, I talk about self-talk in all of my books. It's, it's so core. I, the older I get, the more important I think this is. I, I really do believe that the, the vast majority of our experience of life happens, it depends on what happens inside our own heads, you know? Wow. And so like, for instance, um, somebody, some famous person in history, I can't remember who it was, might've been Henry Ford, might've been Abraham Lincoln, I can't remember, sorry, said, if you think you can't do something, you're right. And if you think you can do something, you're probably right. Right? It's yep. just, what do you think? And so the one key, you said, how can people become more change capable, especially younger people? But what I'm about to say is universal, is when a change comes at you, notice how you're thinking to yourself about that change. Notice what you're saying inside your head about that change, your own self-talk. Just notice it. Almost without exception, it will be negative. Mm. Oh, it's going to take so much time. This is going to be so hard. My people are going to hate it. I'm going to look like an idiot. This is not what I signed up for. That's what will be going on inside your head. So what I then suggest is pick out one or two of the things, the negative things that you're saying to yourself that you think are going to have the biggest negative impact on your ability to do that change. Wow. Right? So let's say you decide that the two things that you're saying to yourself that are going to be the most unhelpful are... I'm never going to be able to do this. We say stuff like that to ourselves. Yep, I'm never absolutely. going to be able to do this. And this is, my people won't accept this. Yep. Right? Okay. So then you say to yourself, how could I, how could I shift those two statements? What could I say differently that I believe, because if you don't believe it, it won't help. And that will trend me in a more hopeful or more useful direction. Okay. So the first one, I'm never going to be able to do this. How about if instead I say to myself, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to do this. Yes. Let me, let me, let me check it out. Wow. That would, that would send you in a whole different direction. Right. Yes. And so, and then it's like whack-a-mole. Every time your mind says to you, you're never going to be able to, you go, oh, hold up, hold up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Let me check it out. Right. So you just, you have a, you have a, you have a solve, you have a, an antidote. Right. And then the second one, my people will never accept this again. I, they're, they're probably not going to be happy about it, but I, 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 I don't know if they'll accept it. I should talk to them. I should talk to them. Right. right. I should actually <laughs> communicate. So every time that one comes up, you're like, I, I don't wait, I should just talk to them. Right. And it's so powerful. We, we, this voice inside our head, it's like the boss of us and mm. it tells us that we just weirdly automatically believe it. And it's so empowering in the true sense of the word to know you can talk back to yourself, to know, right. you can say, no, no, wait, wait. I don't, I don't even think that's true. I, I need to talk to them about this. Mm. Right? Goodness. Goodness. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that because I mean, you have given us so much, uh, wisdom and insights. This has been so incredibly helpful. Uh, oh, before, good. before I let you leave though, I'd love to pick your brain, uh, for our listeners, some rapid fire questions. Yeah. We talk a lot about, uh, speaking on here 
do you have a favorite communicator that's just someone that, boy, you love to you love to listen to all the time, whether it's a trainer or a speaker or a keynote, you know, whoever, whoever it is. I love Brene Brown. She's just amazing. And every Ted thing, every, she's just, she's so clarifying. Yes. Also, I agree with everything she says. So that makes it easy. But she's, <laughs> wonderful. she's wonderful. Yes. She's amazing. Uh, is there a podcast or a YouTube channel that just either is great that you love for your own development or kind of a guilty pleasure that just kind of fills you up? Oh, there are, there are too many and in and, and too many realms. Like I don't listen to a lot of business podcasts, although some, oh, there's just too many. That's a, my brain just exploded. Uh, yeah, there's so many. I, I, it, for people getting into the kind of podcast YouTube thing, I would say because there's so much, you can fall down so many rabbit holes get decide your own purpose beforehand mm. decide what am i most interested in what do i most want to clarify or get better at or get, you know before you head down head Absolutely. down the- <laughs> that's great uh, and then the last question is there a book you know uh, that you would recommend this is your your main go-to leadership book you'd recommend every leader read this book you know, emotional intelligence was certainly one of those for me. Absolutely. Another one that is about the same vintage is um, Good to Great. Oh, yeah. Jim's Good to Great. That really still, uh, you know, stands the test of time. I mean, I don't even know the companies that he profiled in that book. If they're, I don't even know. But so many core, and to your point, his whole thing about level five leadership, you know, mm. Um, what he talks about in that book really had a profound impact on me and got me started thinking in the direction that my, I have a book called leading. So people will follow it kind of got me in that. And that's a powerful book. And I think it's timeless. Well, I love it. I love it. Tell us, tell our listeners where we can find you online. Where's the best place to go to, you know, get all of the information for what you do and your books and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So uh, the best uh, initial place, I think, is the website of my company, which is uh, proteus-international.com. That's our website. Proteus is P-R-O-T-E-U-S-international.com. Then go to my website, which is ericaanderson.com. Find out all about the books. Erica and Anderson are both spelled interestingly, E-R-I-K-A and A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. And uh, on Twitter, which I'm always going to call Twitter, um, <laughs> uh, it was very early adopter. So my it's it's just at Erica Anderson, and um, and then LinkedIn Erica Anderson. So any of those any of the normal social media places you can find me, and all Wonderful. my books are on. So. Wonderful. And we're going to, we'll link all of those in the show notes and then we'll link these in our speak with people community, Facebook group. And, uh, we'll do a giveaway for your latest book, uh, change from the inside out in there as well for our leaders, just because it, it is, it is just a powerful book. Uh, and it's been so helpful for me. So. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I love how you do something that good learners always do, which is you immediately apply it to yourself. I can see it happening in your brain. (laughs) How can I do this? How can I use this? How can I make, which is how learning gets real. So I love it. It's, it's almost like I've been going through a graduate degree as I do all of these 
interviews. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing, amazing leadership. So to be able to yeah. learn from, you know, people like you has been awesome. So thank mm -hmm. you so much. You're so welcome. Absolutely. And thank you again to our Speak With People listeners. We can't thank you enough for being a part of the podcast. We hope today that you've been challenged to elevate the importance and practice of healthy communication in your life. Uh, and that my hope is you will speak with people and not at them. We will see you next week on the Speak With People podcast.